I'm Steve Oaks, your host, and I would like to, without further ado, waste no more of your time and introduce my very, very special guest, Todd Robert Anderson. Hi, Todd. Hi, Steve. Thanks for having me on your uh, on your uh, social distancing uh, show. It's absolutely a pleasure. And what's interesting is my guess is that as host guests slash guests of of the Tomcasts go. We are less socially distanced than most. That's true, because, I mean, you're in walking distance, essentially. My point exactly. Yeah, I I can walk to your house in probably 30 minutes, I would say, maybe. Mm -hmm. And be told to turn around and walk back in under 10 seconds. Get out of here, yeah, exactly. And I can bike to your house in like like seven minutes. I can get there in seven. So yeah, that's my point. So while socially distanced, we are not actually very much geographically distanced. Yes, exactly, exactly. We're neighbors. So, I'm noticing something uh, based on on, on the uh, the method of communication we're using uh, to have you on the show today. Um, there's a little bit of a delay I'm noticing between uh, between our our sentences as we listen. So I'm just letting the listener know that we're not slow on the uptake. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's a classic problem with the, the Zoom stuff and uh, Skype and everything. I, I There's no great way for this to be done. I mean, I think if you spend a ton of money, then, you, yeah. then it'll probably work better. I mean, that's how they do it, right? They give you this like kind of, right. it's cool and it works, but it doesn't work great. But if you give them a bunch of money, then you're like, oh, it works really awesome. And also we're having, in my house, we're having wi-fi shenanigans it's just a lot there's a lot of trouble there's a lot of trouble i understand but you know what it is we're on the we're on the entry level system and that's like you get an entry level car you can get an entry level house that's it's a term for crappy like the, the crappy first thing that you can kind of get yourself get your mitts on it's so true they in real estate they call it a starter home Right, a starter, exactly. Or I think they do. I think they still might even use in real estate. They might use entry level. It's kind of an entry level property for your starter home. Yeah, yeah. Our first house, we bought it. it was you know, it was a small place, and it was a it was a friggin' wreck. <laughs> right, it was a starter. It was a starter. It was a starter and a fixer. A fixer oh, starter. But I think the term starter also is like is like. They're setting you up for dissatisfaction before you even close on the house. <laughs> You're going like, yeah, I'm buying it, but I'm not keeping it. <laughs> yeah. Right? <laughs> now you can't even enjoy it. Now you've just like you've just like put your life savings into a down payment. You've taken on this gigantic mortgage on the starter home. Right. And the second you put the key in the door, you're like, oh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so- <laughs> it's so true. You really I think it's just buying a house in general. Once you buy it, you really have to let go of regret. Like it's the regret always is instantaneous and you really have to push it. You have to push it down deep down. And that's why I always have stomach aches and stuff. Cause I have so much regret about pushing down. <laughs> yeah. Because then there's plumbing trouble and everything else. I mean, it's, you know, there's nothing but regret yeah. in, in home ownership. But. Well, but, you know, there's there's also, like, you get, you kind of get through it. Like, uh, I remember we, 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 we got, uh, got a house about five years ago. And, and, like, the second we got in it, like, the water heater died, I think, literally the second we needed hot water. I mean, I don't even think it was that long. And, and, and other stuff. And then there was going to have to be plumbing that was going to have to get to the, to the street, you know, that kind of connection, the sewage, not sewage, but uh, gray water, whatever. It was sudden and it was massive and it was frightening. But here, five years later, 
everything's chill and, and we've, you know, like, like it, it, it turns, it turns out to be worth the sacrifice. You just have to, you just have to bear up in your so, starter home and start it up. Maybe that's what they mean. Maybe if it's your starter home, they're saying, get in here and start this thing up. Like, uh, you remember that you just reminded me of that old Stephen Wright bit about accidentally putting his car keys into his apartment door and the building started up. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> he drove his he drove his apartment building and parked it in the middle of the freeway and was telling everybody to get out of his driveway. Classic. Did you ever Sounds meet him? You were doing stand up nope. like, around the same time that he was, though, right? Just after him. Just he was like there was a jet both in New York and in Boston because I worked in Boston a lot, which is where he he came from. In both of those places, I was I was the graduating class of comic after a lot of the guys who went on to these giant careers, not to say some guys from my class didn't do pretty well. I'm just saying, cause Dennis Leary would have been just in the second in the class that I was oh, in yeah. or Dana, uh, Dana Gould, you know, would have been. So there was a lot of, you know, uh, uh, Jonathan Katz, you know, just like there was some really amazing guys, but just before them were like Lenny Clark, you know, was mm-hmm. before those guys and Stephen Wright was before those guys. So uh, Bob, Bobcat Goldthwait was before those guys. Oh yeah, Bobcat. Yeah. I love yeah. I love Bobcat Goldthwait. I'm a huge fan of his. I worked with his former fiance a long time ago, so I got to hear all these great mm-hmm. Bobcat stories. Which at the time, you know, he didn't talk about those things in interviews. Now he's told some of these stories in interviews. But my favorite all-time Bobcat story is the one about going in. He was pitching game shows him and his partner, you know, cause he had like those comedy game shows that he did. So they were in a yeah. pitch meeting and, uh, and the guy, the, the executive was on his phone talking to somebody else while they were trying to pitch him. And Bobcat's partner was doing right. talking. Uh, and at a certain point, you know, it just became clear that this guy wasn't really listening. So Bobcat, right. his partner, hey, you know what? I got this. Let me, let me handle it. And then he starts, he say, he says to the guy, forget that pitch. It's, that's a stupid idea. Let's here's, here's my pitch. Uh, it, it, it's a show called monkey rape. And what happens is <laughs> you, you take a, a bunch of male monkeys and you put them all in a cage together. And uh, one uh, monkey you smear with female menstrual fluid. So all the other monkeys rape the hell out of that monkey. And here's the twist. The monkeys do not know they're being filmed. <laughs> so he, he's doing a full on, uh, what's that joke? The Arista, aristocrats. He's like doing, yeah, aristocrats. doing like the aristocrats version of a, uh, of a pitch. <laughs> yeah. And the guy got fucking mad and kicked him out of the office. I'm like, if I was that executive, I would have said, here's what I would have said. I would have said, um, I'm going to green light whatever show you want to do, Bobcat, just not monkey race. That. Any other show you want is yours. That's how I would have handled it. You know, what I would have said was, what I would have said was, well, you know what? My son-in-law's engaged to a lemur. Could we go lemur with this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, lemur rape? Can we do lemur rape? I, I don't know. And the truth is, we wouldn't be that guy though, because if I would have been listening to Bobcat Goldthwait, I'm a huge fan. People don't listen to pitches. This is very quick story. Uh, I used to write on, as 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 my regular listeners know, uh, I used to I used to write on Rugrats on the cartoon Rugrats, and we would have to go pitch these episode ideas to the to the head of uh, the department or the overseeing. I don't know. There was a lot of head. Everybody was in charge of everything everywhere. So I'm not, but this woman was particularly in charge and we would have to go uh, pitch her story ideas so that if it approved, we could then start beeping out the episode. And we come in with uh, a story idea that has Tommy riding on Spike. It requires Tommy to ride Spike the dog. And, and Rugrat fans will know that the babies frequently rode Spike the dog. Spike the dog was to be written. That was part of his raison mm-hmm. so it's in the bible the so, uh, so we go in and we pitch this thing we pitch this thing to her and and she looks at us like like we haven't been working on the show like we don't know anything about rugrats and she goes the babies 
and literally she gives us this look like you idiots and she says the babies can't ride the dog like that <laughs> okay i'll give her that if it's a mistake it could be an honest mistake she's not keeping up with the show over her head you can't make this up over her head is a framed poster and i shit you not it is a poster of Tommy and Chucky riding Spike. And we have to sit there. And we have to sit there in this pitch session, move on to the next pitch. And we're literally, and you can't, because you can't, we can't, we can't sort of like, and you can't see this if you listen, but you can't like do that little twist with your finger, go like, uh, could you turn around for a second? <laughs> yeah, look, you, look behind you. <laughs> now, it, it, is, it is certainly our hope that she came back from lunch that very day and happened to glance above her own desk before sitting behind it and went like, oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> That's, that reminds me of one time me and my uh, writing partner, whose name is Steve, uh, everyone I know, all my friends are named Steve. Um, so Generational. We, I'm from the generation of Steve. Yes. So we... we uh, we had written a, a, you know, a comedy script that we called Vodka and Sand uh, based on a, a trip that we took together to the Bahamas that was like a disaster. And it's re- it a really wow. funny script. I, I, I thought it was hilarious. And uh, this a friend of ours had a manager and he's like, oh, I, this is hilarious. I'm going to give it to my manager to look at. So his, the manager looked at it, thought it was really funny but wanted us to write something more, as he put it, more commercial, higher concept. Um, I, I don't know why. Uh, this guy, I don't think this guy was very smart, but uh, <laughs> he, he was like, you know what I want you to do is like, what's really in right now are genies. That's, this is what he told us. We're like, uh, okay. What year, what, when is this? This was like 15 years ago, maybe. I don't remember. Well, their... Genies were huge 15 years ago. Were they? I don't, I don't oh, remember. At the time, I was like. Rock without <laughs> at the time, I, was, I didn't know what he was talking about. But anyway, so he's like, so I want you to go and come up with like 15 genie pitches, you know, genie, high concept genie story pitches, and, and, and I'll pick one, and then you write that. And we were like, for, you know, for free. You know, we were like, ah, okay, all right, we got nothing else going on, so we'll give it a shot. So we came up with all these pitches. We gave it to all of them. He didn't like any of them except one, and he said, I, I don't like any of those, but I do like that one, but he shouldn't be a genie. He should be a ghost. And it was a cop. Right. It was like a genie cop, and he was like, it shouldn't be a genie cop. It should be a ghost cop. And we literally wrote an entire feature screenplay called Ghost Cop. Sounds sounds solid. I mean, the ghost doesn't. The ghosts are kind of, you know, protoplasmic. But this idea <laughs> yeah. sounds solid. Well, and I didn't, you know, I didn't have the heart to tell them that, that, that all we were really doing was recreating the movie Dead Heat with Joe Piscopo and Treat Williams from the eighties, which, which tanked and wow. <laughs> it was terrible, but you know, wow. so oh we wrote the whole, it's the, du- it is the dumbest script we ever wrote. It was Ghost cop. It was just, we were putting our sense of humor into it, but it was, it was just so dumb. It was hard to write it. If you know, the, just the concept to us was so, it's stupid. like, was the slogan, was the slogan like killed, but still in the line of duty. <laughs> we didn't get as far as writing taglines, but yeah, we were just trying to come up with ways. I always go tagline first. I always write that well before. The tagline generally comes before the title in the script, I think. Yeah, that's smart. That's very Corman. That's very right. And you know what you're writing to. Yeah. That's what or you the, know what you're writing to. Or the asylum, that, that outfit that does all the really low budge things for the sci-fi channel. They literally, that's how they do, that's how they make their movies. They come up with a title and a tagline, and then they have writers write something that fits that title and tagline. Just to spin back on Rugrats for a second, we had this one title, and we did that often, or there would be like one line in a, in a Rugrats uh, that, that we would like have to write to. Like we had to, um, that Phil and Lil DeVille were the twins, and their mom, their mom, and there was Mr. DeVille was their father, and he, and 
we wanted somebody to say, I'm ready for my close-up, Mr. DeVille. <laughs> and we needed that line. And so we ended up writing America's Funniest Home Videos or America's Honey Funniest Home Movies, uh, which, which had Angelica actually, he made the movie and Angelica actually got to turn to camera and say, I'm ready for my close-up, Mr. DeVille. We literally wrote to the line. And we had a title for an episode that was too perfect. It was Lab Rats. And we were like, there's got to be a cartoon called, and we couldn't, it never was made, never got done. Oh, man. Did you work on the Rugrats uh, movie as well? No, I did. I did uh, a table, a table punch on the first one. Didn't work on the subsequent one or two, whatever they were. But I, I wasn't a writer on it. Oh, okay. I, yeah. uh, I think I have a copy of the first Rugrats movie somewhere. First Rugrats movie is around the time that came out. What happened was Rugrats, <laughs> I didn't know this is, this is where my show was going today. Um, <laughs> but uh, um, Rugrats was on for one season and failed miserably. And, and Nickelodeon, never a network to waste good money, continued running that season in reruns indefinitely. And those reruns started picking up a following. And, and as that following got bigger and bigger, Nickelodeon came around and said, hey, you want to make more of those? So, so that's when I started working on it, was, was during, was during the, the revamp, the, re, the restart. Ah, I didn't know that. That's the original, the original right, is what we call, they were on the starter season. Oh, okay. The starter season. It's like a starter Star. home. Right. Yeah, well, yeah. You know, that's cool that it rose uh, from the ashes. Uh, Rugrat Phoenix rising from the ashes. That's cool. It's exactly what happened. Yeah. It's cool. And they came in with new executive producers and stuff. I wish that uh, would happen with the show Party Down. I, I never saw Party Down. It was, I think it's, it's it's hard to say what my favorite all-time comedy is, but I think it may be my favorite show. But it only ran for two, you know, it was stars too, so they only did 10 episodes a season. So there's only 20 episodes of this thing. Um, but it's absolutely brilliant. And it's conceptually brilliant. Um, so What is it? What, what is this? To, what is, what, where's the party? Well, the, it's it's about a catering company. So it's a workplace comedy, right? But and I love workplace comedies, uh, but the co- the workplace because they're a catering company is a different location each time. So you, you're you're just traveling I from. Show now. Yeah. I remember the show now. Yeah, yeah, it it was brilliant mm-hmm. with Adam Scott and you know Ken Marino and right. uh, Lizzie uh, Kaplan. Uh, just it's it's and it's so damn funny. I mean, it's it's like one of the few shows that I, I know like made me cry laugh more than, more than once, you know, it's really a consistently brilliant show. I, I miss it. I've watched it. I've watched it so many times. What? It's as if it's a living or a comedy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. 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 Uh, yeah. I can't, I can't recommend that enough. I, and I wish they'd bring it back so I can get on it. I'd like to be on party down i'd like to be one of the one of the party hosts that'd be nice oh that's fun yeah the guest i guess every 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 week a new guest has guests yeah they had so many great uh, actors uh doing it um notably stephen weber played a, a russian gangster he was uh-huh. so funny in this episode and then and then Steve i saw him do leo bloom on broadway oh really was he good yeah, he's kind of really good. Yeah. We just watched his TV miniseries version of The Shining. I thought that was really good. It was good. Am I, I mean, wrong? I saw it like I, I remember being like, you know, they stuck to the book. They went a little. They went different than Kubrick. They stuck to the book, and I thought they did a good job. Yeah, there was. It was. It doesn't hold up. I don't think, but no. par- partially because Mick Garris didn't. Mick Garris did it, yeah. Part, I think mostly because of of uh, visual effects. Like they they don't, you know, because in the book all the hedges come alive, you know, and obviously Kubrick didn't do that with like he had a Kubrick made it a maze, a hedge maze thing, right? 
But right. in the book, it's it's animals. They're like hedges right. and shapes of it's animals. Topiary. 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 Thank you. Thank you. And then they come alive. Uh, but like when they made that miniseries, it's just they, and they didn't obviously have the money for the CG wasn't very good at that point and you had to spend a lot of money if you wanted it to look decent and it it really looks silly right. in, that, in that show and the so other thing is me, the the Overlook Hotel in the miniseries doesn't have uh-huh. that gothic feel of the Kubrick Overlook Hotel uh-huh. uh, it, it looks more just like a hotel and it doesn't really I, they tell you it's it's off in the mountain and you don't see anything surrounding it, but the, the way it's shot, you, you never get the sense that you're really that isolated. Right. Well, Kubrick used a real location that's uh, on Mount Hood in, in uh, Oregon. Yeah. The name of which escapes right now, but that's, that's a working hotel was then continues today. Yeah. My dad stayed there a couple times because he was on business trips for IBM. I remember him telling me about that place. Well, then let me ask you another question about a Stephen King TV movie. Does my memory fail me again, or was Salem's Lot genuinely frightening? Okay, so we have to we have to be clear on which version of Salem's Lot you're talking about, because there was a miniseries in the 70s, two-part miniseries in the 70s, and then around the same time as the miniseries The Shining, there was another Salem slot, that one with Rob Lowe. Um, the first, who was the first one? Who was the, the star of the first one? Uh, I can't remember his name off the top of my head. Uh, but, you know, he had, like, blonde, big hair. and Yeah. I think it was the first one. Yeah. And there's the, the scene, scene when, the, when the dead son visits uh, uh, outside the window. And that might have been one of the scariest scenes. Honestly, it's among the top scariest scenes I've ever seen on the screen. Yeah, for that, that's also true for uh, Hillary, my wife. It's one of those horror moments that she always remembers. And uh, and oh and, my god! And it's another thing because they, you know, they did that in the seventies practically, obviously, because they didn't have CGI stuff. And in the Rob Lowe one, they have CGI stuff. And it's nowhere near as effective as it was in the 70s one. Interesting. Interesting. Oh, man. I just remember just wanting to crawl under the couch. I just, that was so scary. Yeah. And yeah. to this day, that kind of scene, that's the kind of, that's the template for the scene. That were like, even if they put it into a different context, like there's a scene uh, on The Sopranos. It's like, what's the, what's the deal? Do I have any rules about spoilers on my show? Uh, I, I, you know what? No, I mean, I'm not spoilers. The thing about spoilers is if, if you can spoil something by giving a plot thing away, if you spoil the whole movie because of one plot twist that you, you gave to somebody, I mean, granted it's more fun if you don't know it's coming, but if it ruins the whole movie, right. the movie's not very good anyway. Interesting. All right. It's a good philosophy. Um, on the Sopranos, I think it's later episodes. Um, they, uh, boy, I'm, how long has it been? I haven't, I haven't watched the show in so long. But uh, uh, Michael Imperioli char- char- Michael Imperioli's character's girlfriend um, leaves this mortal coil. <laughs> oh right, right. I didn't see. I didn't even get that far in this. Adriana. Yeah. Adriana. And uh, um, and there's a scene. I assume now, looking back, it had to be a nightmare scene. So it's really not a spoiler. It's a spoiler of the scene, but it has nothing to do with the actual flow of the story. Um, but where she kind of shows up on the scene, but we know she's dead. And that also could have, like, just how it happened, could have put me under the couch. There's, there's something about uh, dead people, not like zombies, not brainless zombies like that, but dead people kind of showing up in a certain way as not actually being dead, but actually being dead, oh. that, that when handled correctly, just truly disturbed me. I totally get it. I, I, there's different, I just saw a movie and it was super gross, um, but it reminded me of another movie that was also super gross, but that really freaked me out. 
which is called The Ruins, which is about these like young people who get trapped on the top of this like Aztecian temple that's covered with killer plants, which sounds so silly, but it like, it's it was it's really a freaky movie. And then I just watched this one that came out on on uh, Amazon called uh, called The Beach House, which was very similar uh, and super gross. And basically, I, I don't know how to I don't know how to explain it. But is it plants again? The monsters' plants. Well, yeah, there. It's like uh, it's like uh, uh, ocean, <laughs> ocean stuff. Uh, do you want to say hi on mic, Cole? No. Well, you just interrupted the thing, so you should say hi, so the people can just hear your voice. No, he says. Okay, get out. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, the it it was also, but it was from the ocean, so it was like you know, some gooey stuff that's in the ocean uh, that gets into under people's skins and like burrows into them, kind of turns them into like fish, like crawling fish zombie people. Um, it's very uh, HP. Right. You know, good for them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and that really actually really literally it gets under people's skin and it was really getting under my skin. I don't know. There's something about that. Like things burrowing into skin. I don't like it. Grow. It freaks me out. Yeah. What about, about like something like, like video drone where, where uh, oh, they, yeah. they kind of, kind of. Yeah. I mean, I love the, that, 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 that's James Woods problem. That's a James Woods problem. Right. That's not actually a sun burrowing. <laughs> he gets under skin. Yeah. Well, you know, I was a big, James Woods fan when I was a kid. I didn't know uh, about his politics. And for all I know, he didn't have those politics yet. And he hadn't become a molester or whatever. Uh, but he was one of the only guys that I was looking at who's a movie star who, you know, he wasn't, he was regular looking, you know? So for me, it's like James Woods gave me hope as a regular looking guy. And he's, you know, carrying movies. Uh, Videodrome, I really like. But yes, it's it's gross. Cronenberg stuff is gross. Worse is the Brood. Yeah. Worse is the Brood. The Cronenberg movie, The Brood. I don't know the Brood. That's about. But what about like twins? What about like just twins with the surgical stuff? But I'm sorry, let's go back. Oh yeah, twins. Oh oh, I forgot oh. about that. Uh, oh. uh, what was wait? Was it called twin? It was called. What was it called? I think it wasn't it. Wasn't called twins. No. No, that was it the movie. Jeremy Irons and Jeremy Irons. Yeah. Yeah. What the hell was it called? It's going to drive me nuts. Uh, maybe it was Twins, but I, I feel like it, was, it wouldn't it have been Twins because that was at the same time as the movie Twins was Schwarzenegger and DeVito. So it'll come. And again with the search. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but Videodrome, yeah, that was super gross. Uh, the, 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 uh, dead Ringers. Dead, there, that's it. That's it. That's it. Yes. Yeah, that one was gross. His, his body yeah. horror from that era was super uh, effective and yucky. But The Brood, that what was, kind of, to me, the scariest one. What kind of, what, what do we know about Cronenberg? What's his deal? Uh, he's a Canadian man. Um, Say no more. And he's he's married to a woman named Denise, and Denise mm-hmm. does all his uh, uh, wardrobe. She's his wardrobe person. Um, okay. He's he's a he's a good looking guy. Cronenberg is. He's mm-hmm. appeared in a couple of horror films as an actor. I've seen him on screen, so I know that he acts sometimes. Yeah, and he's actually good. He's a good actor, I think. It's you know, a lot of times when the directors get in front of the camera, they're stilted, but he, he's good. Uh, and he he's effectively scary in uh, that Clive Barker movie. Uh, I think it's called uh, not Near Dark. It's called Damn It, Nightbreed. Nightbreed. He's in Nightbreed. Nightbreed. I've seen Nightbreed. Yeah, he plays a, a, a scary serial killer guy in that movie. Okay, uh, that's a creepy movie. Yeah, it is. It's it, but it was. I like that movie. Clive Barker's cool, um, but I like that movie because the, the twist of you're terrified of these demons that live underground in this like cemetery thing, 
But then it turns yeah, out that yeah. they're hiding because human beings, Cronenberg in particular, are horrible fucking yeah. monsters, and they don't. That's why they're in hiding. They're not trying to scare anybody. It's uh, it's, it's there's, a, there's a little bit of that in Game of Thrones. Actually, the Children of the Forest have a very similar and uh, uh, kind of dynamic oh, there okay. that they've been chasing. Yeah, I never saw. I never saw. Uh, I have actually. This is that one rare occasions that I can actually brag about my uh, my autographed copy of Hellraiser. Uh, from oh, nice. I have a. Uh, not the book. Yeah, uh, I don't think there is a book. It's a VHS. Uh, oh, a VHS. There is a there is a, a novel that it's based on, um, but it's not called Hellraiser. You're right. It's called something else. Have you read Have you read his fiction? Yes. Uh, uh, I've read his books of blood. Very good writer. He's great. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I read yeah, very good. writer. Actually just the other day with our teenage son, cause he, he likes horror stuff. We, we, uh, watched, um, Lord of illusions, which is a Clive Parker. Uh, sure. movie. And yep. he, his detective, Harry Demore has a series of, you know, supernatural detective stories. So I read a lot of those, uh, and his books of blood and yeah, he's a really good writer. And I met him. I went cause he's an artist. Um, and I write right, sure. and an ink. Uh, yeah, yeah. And painting and everything. He does all kinds of, oh. art. um, and I went to a gallery showing of his in New York and got a signed copy of, a you know, one of his prints. His uh, art cool. books of blood. Yeah, it's it's really neat. Yeah, and he he was uh, he was very nice. He smoked cigars a lot. Uh, I, I went to a party at his house, which is an incredibly cool house in the Hollywood Hills. However, he was not attending that party that particular evening. So so Clive Barker was not at Clive Barker's house when I was at Clive Barker's house. Oh, I I had a friend who went to uh, one of Shane Black's parties back in the day. Was Shane Black at the party? Actually, no, he was at our party. That's what the problem was. Are you sure you Clive Parker wasn't at yours? <laughs> Maybe it was switched. No, I didn't go, but yeah. I heard about it. Shane Black was famous for having crazy parties every weekend. Um, and But what it was is, like, basically one, the like, the bottom floor of his mansion was where anyone could go. Like, if you found out about the party, you got to, you could go. But he wasn't in that part of the party. It was like they would yank people out of that party to go upstairs to the ritzy ritz Hollywood party. And then apparently he had a giant sex addict. That's what I heard. Like a hidden. So that's another. They yank you and once more. I don't know if, it was, <laughs> yeah, if there was like a, a sex party that happened. I, I don't know. I don't know the details. Exactly. But yeah, I, I don't think I don't think I don't, I don't know if I want to go to a party that like that I can't that I don't actually fully arrive at. Like you can sort of show up to the antechamber of one of the like. It's a very strange dynamic to have. Like I like a more egalitarian party. Yeah, I agree. I'm not, and I'm not a star fucker, and that's what that is. Like you were showing up at Shane right. Black Shane Black's house to just try and get next to the Hollywood elite. I get it. If it's like a, 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 a um, you know, it's a, a, an enterprise, it's actually a, a monetary, somebody's running a business. So if you go to the house of blues and you have to get, make special arrangements to go to the foundation room, I begrudge neither the house of blues nor the foundation room. That seems like a proper dynamic. And so it goes. There's all the places have had VIP rooms and that extra sort of layer where you can, you know, you can sort of, upgrade yourself into a better party if you're in the know but at someone's home that feels weird that's off-putting to me yeah yeah i mean yeah i i just i was never into anything like that any any club yeah. like I, I you know and i've been i've had my time you know what's the what's the famous place where uh, john belushi died what was there's a club in that uh, 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 the Marmont. Yeah, that place. Yeah, I went there. I mean, it's like, and then they pick you out of the line if you know if they feel like letting you in, sort of thing. And I, I, I never liked that. Yeah. And, they, and they wound up picking us and sending us in because I was with pretty young women uh, at the time, uh, so they let me in with them. But then I get in there and it's like just freaking crowded. 
just wall to wall people. That's another thing I don't like. I didn't like that before the coronavirus. I don't like it. No. Well, you know, we went out uh, a while back. We went out to uh, uh, to the uh, cafeteria, Clifton's cafeteria, to see uh, to see that band. And uh, if you remember, a while back, sort of a sort of a band from Louisiana, I think. Oh right, Wait, where was that? That was a Clifton's cafeteria, which is now like sort of a giant, uh, a multi-tiered. Do you remember that it was multi-tiered? There was like a yeah. tiki bar in there. And there was a showroom in there. Yeah. There's a cafeteria downstairs with redwood trees, and yeah. I mean, it's it's. Uh, you remember that the place? Yeah, is kind it's of a epic, cool place, actually. I yeah, I I went. The, that was Bon Bon Vivant. That was the band we went to see. Yes, and and so we got there. They were going on pretty early. We got there pretty early, and so we're hanging out. We're watching them, but slowly but surely, over the hour and a half or something, that we're in their little ballroom where they're doing this show on the second level. The place is palatial. It's 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 thousands of square feet of entertainment space under this under this roof. Three stories, and yeah, it's all cool. of it just filled up, and and uh, and it started getting more and more crowded. And and by the time we left, which was around the time like really jamming everybody in there that became an impossible place to hang out yeah like like my like most of these places it becomes impossible to even be there you're online in a sense you're not even being anywhere you have the feeling that you're online for something right it's like <laughs> just go that's sort of like going to disneyland you just stand in line totally. except that they're totally. in the in you this got, you got six minutes there's no ride six there can Oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, you got six minutes air-conditioned ride, and the rest of the time, for hours in between these six-minute intervals of that air-conditioned ride, you're online. Whether you're online to get to this part of the park, or you're online to get this drink, or you're online to get this ride, like, you're just online. Yeah, yeah. That's no way to live. No, it's not. And Disneyland, Disneyland gets is tiny, so it gets hella shoulder-to-shoulder. Oh, man. But, you know, Disney World's bigger, and they're wearing masks, according to the commercial. So, yay. All right. <laughs> Have you seen that? <laughs> Have you seen that Disney ad? Oh, yeah. did somebody slow it down or something? I didn't have the audio on. But it looks creepy. Yeah. Like, are we talking about the same thing? It's, yeah, like, yeah. it's like people in masks doing this, like, come hither wave with their hand. Right. That's just, that's just. Did Nick Garris direct that? <laughs> That's what I I want to know who directed that thing. Uh, also, he must have spent the whole or she, whoever it was. I guarantee you spent the whole shoot just screaming at people to get that smile in their eyes because they're all wearing masks. You can't see yeah. them smiling. They have to yeah, smile yeah. in their eyes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's so smizel. It's smizel. Yeah, I don't. I'm never gonna go. Th- this is what's crazy about the pandemic is there's so many places I'm never going to go again because I don't care for the choices their business has made it during this. And Disney is one of them. I mean, I never fucking said sure. one of their parks ever again. And they lost me. They lost me when their employees started sleeping in cars. Yeah. Yeah. That's messed up. Yeah. I remember being a kid and, and, and having the dream because my parents, you know, took us to Disney world. My, my grandmother lived in Florida. So we went to Disney world a couple of times. Uh-huh. And it was like a dream to, you know, be a Disney employee. Like I wanted to be an actor and that'd be cool. I could be a character. And then, and then the reality of how much they paid, it was like, well, right. you can't do this unless you're living with your parents. You, that's, you can't. Yeah, you have to sleep in your car. Also, how do you uh, how do you uh, <laughs> how do you react to when you finally learn? No, the car- costume characters don't have an air conditioning inside, like a, a little system. And we always believed that that these these wandering goofies or what have you had like an air conditioning system in some sort of cooling system. Not ninety nine degree, ninety nine percent humidity, Florida or California uh, hot day. They're, these people, it's 15-minute shifts, and, and I, they have uh, what the vampires would call a familiar who has to, like, sort of wander around with them. And, you know, I assume they are carrying smelling salts. 
Yeah, it's hot. I've never been a, a Disney character, but on, on television, I played a Microsoft butterfly, and I also played a, a giant styrofoam key. I, I was dressed like a key. It was like for a, a internet site for buying cars or whatever. So it was me and this other guy were dressed like giant keys, and the and those things were so hot. Both of these spots, the 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 Microsoft butterfly one and this key one, which of course, mid, you know, middle of summer, hot as hell outside. And you're wearing these giant, heavy felt covered, you know, foam suits. So hot. And what they give us. And like at first when I put it on, I was like, Jesus this is horrible. But then by the end of the shoot, it's all I wanted to do was put on these ice vests because they want, but they put a giant vest made of ice around you before they put the suit over it to keep you from overheating. So, so wow, I don't know if they do that at Disney or not. I wonder. Not to my knowledge. To my knowledge, the, the people at Disney suffer. That's how they handle it at Disney. The people suffer, and you can't even really wipe your head because your hands are out here. You know, you're you got your, you're out shaking hands with little kids. It's not like you can slip one of them back through and wipe your head off. Yeah, no, I know. Yeah, it's it's crazy. I was uh, as a as a very young man, I was a shopping mall Santa for a season, and uh, as one might, I you know I was doing anything when you do it, you take a job. And I got to tell you, the most disgusting thing about working for a cheap company, if you're a Santa Claus, is that they pass like you're using the guy, the previous guy's pillow, like to fatten you up with this big sweaty. Cushion. <laughs> yes, it was a disgusting. It was a disgusting job. Children can be very adorable. I'll give you that, but it was a truly gross costume to have to wear. The beard was. It was just. It was real. It was not. I'm going to guess OSHA wasn't consulted. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mall Santa's always, you know, have been a dicey thing. But maybe that's why I like uh, I like Bad Santa the movie so much. I I don't I don't know the film I uh, I didn't nor did I live it. I was a fair Santa that, that would be a really dull film. Well, Bad Santa is you you like you like really inappropriate comedy, right? It depends. It's a lot to do with the intention. So if somebody is if somebody's just shitting in other people's Cheerios because they they take shitting in Cheerios and the people with the Cheerios didn't really have it coming. I don't enjoy it that much. But if the person eating the Cheerios is a piece of shit and somebody shits in their Cheerios, I'm down. I get you. Um, well, Bad Santa, it's Billy Bob Thornton. Right. Uh, is the Bad Santa. And basically him and uh, a couple of other people are uh, thieves. So they they get jobs working uh, as, you know, Santa Claus and elves at the mall and learn the security system so they can break in at night and steal all this shit uh, out of the out of Okay. The so it's a heist film. It's a heist film. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, it's a, it's a comedy. I would call it a dark comedy. Uh, back in the day, we used to call dark comedies black comedies, but now that, has, that means something else. So it's a dark comedy. Um, and he's an alcoholic. He's like a raging alcoholic. And he's horrible to everybody. Uh, and there's, su it's to me, it's one of the funniest movies ever made. Cause it does have, really? it does have weirdly has like a heart to it, you know? Uh, uh, even though it's about really bad behavior. Um, but it's, it's really funny. If you've never seen it, I would, I would give it a shot, but it is, sure. you know, it is, uh, you know, I know you've gotten uh, criticisms for uh, for your book uh, having too much cursing in it, and uh, yes. the same thing happened to me for a book I wrote called "Don't Act: 101 Reasons Why You Shouldn't." A lady said, "I would have given this five stars, but I'm only giving it four because there's too much foul language." <laughs> you know, right, so, right. This movie is nothing but foul language, and I, you know, and once again, it's it's you know. It's a question of what you're what you're claiming to present. Like in the case of in the case of my book, it was it was very, very clear that this book, anybody who reads this book and didn't 
know that has has a love of books and an aversion of blurbs. Right. <laughs> like, right. Who reads a book without reading the blurb? <laughs> <laughs> Nobody I, does that. Some people just like to take a leap of faith. It's funny. I, I guess, but I just started. I tend to start at the. I, I start by reading the cover. Sure. I will judge a book by a cover, especially if the cover is trying to communicate something to me, if it's actually saying something to me, which frequently they do. That's why they call them book covers. It's why people get paid to design them. Yes. I'm very lucky. So you can judge the book. Our mutual friends did my uh, upcoming, I'm, I'm releasing a book on August 4th. It's a horror novel called The Headache Man. And, uh, and uh, our friend Mark Wagner uh, designed the cover. It's awesome. Very exciting. Oh, I can't wait to see it. We have a new Wagner hanging in the house right now. He uh, he felt inspired to gift us with one of his paintings, and he asked me what subject matter would uh, would, would be fun for the house. And I, I, I poured through my mind to try to find the convergence of his style and, uh, and my taste. And uh, I came up with Daisy May from Lil Abner. Oh, wow. And it is hanging in there now, and he did a real, like, old school Robert Williams style kind of pinball-y kind of just a good, you know, frenetic, great piece. He's a talented dude. And his, oh, man. the stuff that he does, you know, that he has at his shows, uh, and you know, he did, he did a, a, a painting for Hillary of a, of a butterfly for the uh, primary bedroom. We don't call them masters anymore, I guess. Um, but, uh, is this in a starter home? Is it a starter home? No, this is our second home. So we don't, we we don't need to, the only starters around here for sourdough. That's all we have. It's the only starter we have around. We have them too. We we have them too because pandemic, but please go on. Yeah. So, but his art is, he does a lot of, you know, animals, but it's, it's the intensity of the colors and, and, and the animals. And it really lends itself to to horror fiction it you know his style really really works yes for that but he doesn't go there he's he's a very light guy that way he's, no he hates very likely to get into anything that would be he did a crow sitting on a beautiful beautiful piece with a crow sitting on a uh, a, a cyclone fence and just great piece and 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 somehow even that as macabre as he was trying to make it still he's he's such a He's such kind of a, a decent person yeah. that that it's very difficult for him to communicate uh, uh, edgy shit or darkness. I, I yeah, I see what you're saying. But for me, uh, like that crow one, I love that. And then that was oh, that was beautiful. the painting that made me think, oh, I should ask him to do the cover for my horror novel because it it sort of makes. Yeah. And he did. It, yeah. like, he wouldn't read it. He wouldn't read the novel because he doesn't like horror shit. So I just kind of told right. him what I wanted, and and he did it. It's, it's kind of amazing to me. He should he should read the blurb. He should, should read the blurb, but the, even the blurb is too scary. It's all too scary. Too- <laughs> wow! Wow! <laughs> so uh, so one of the things I wanted to talk to you about while uh, you were on my show today was that uh, was that my film is on Amazon Prime. And people can just go watch it all over the world now. I love. I love your. It's a short. It's a, like thirty minutes. Is that how long it is? It is thirty-four with the credits because a lot of people worked on it. And uh, and I'm gonna mispronounce it. Well, tell tell the tell me what it's called. Le Petaman. Le, Le Petaman. And uh, and it's it's actually colon. So it's Le Petaman parti avec le vent, which which means gone with the wind. <laughs> And that's a, and it's a true story, right? About a, a guy who had excessive flatulation and and turned it uh, into no, he didn't. Story. It was not excessive at all. No, uh, the 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 he had a gift. He had a God given ability that uh, that he could inhale air from the bottom of his body and release it in measured increments, thus producing musing impressions, songs all sorts of different things that you could do. Essentially, consider the things you could conceivably do by like squeezing the end of a balloon 
you know, like how you open up the end of a balloon and squeeze either side of the exit there, like that kind of range, but he had a, a little bit like, so now picture that and then expand it to a bunch of different sizes of balloon. And he sort of had that kind of range, but he could, he could do some very interesting uh, uh, voicing. I actually was just um, talking to one of the actors in your movie uh, on Twitter today. Oh, uh, Adam? Because uh, I know you know Adam, right? Yeah, he, he posted a funny picture uh, of himself in a pool, and it just said Aquaman reboot. So I was joking around with him because we were on You're the Worst together. I Yeah, I did a page-long monologue just in his face, and he just patiently wow. with me. He's a wonderful uh, actor and, and, uh, and he, oh, he he's so good. He just has the, he has a, he's a really good listener face. He is. Yeah, a, he's totally, a, totally. He also, he's a Mormon, former was, Mormon, right? Or is he still a Mormon? Uh, I, I was going to say, I don't know that it's former. I know he has a bunch of brothers. His brothers are actors of uh, one of them of some note, but I don't remember what the project was. Uh, but the Johnson brothers are, 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 are actors they 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 also did i don't know where it went i saw a pilot because they were all like living together out there in in, in uh, salt lake city or thereabouts and it was really interesting they were fun family dynamic and stuff and I, he may well still be i think he came to the production uh, now that i think back on it uh um the dp was ben johnson who was himself a mormon and it was sort of his idea to make the movie actually it was bank's idea to kind of take a full-length script that I had written and, and kind of try to cut it and rewrite it and make it make sense, which it ends up being a different story ultimately, but but ended up doing it in thirty minutes. And I think I think that uh, that uh, he may have come uh, he may have come to us through banked, but okay. but what a find! I mean, the second he walked in, I was like, "That's our no. This guy's great." Yeah, the first time I met him, I've had a couple run-ins with him. First time I met him was I I I got I did a Best Buy commercial, and you know Best Buy's um, you know corporate headquarters are in Minneapolis, um, and they they actually have a full sized Best Buy store out there that's just for commercial shoots. It's like underground. Uh, that that's why they have they have a whole mock up Best Buy store for their commercial. Anyway, so there's this guy Larry Bagby. Uh, and, and he was the other guy in the commercial and he just brought Adam with him, uh, to keep him company mm -hmm. in, in Minneapolis. And that's how I met, uh, I met Adam. He was just, and they were both, I don't know. I, I don't know if Larry, uh, Larry's still a Mormon or not. The only reason I ask is like, I know a lot of former Mormons and they're all so nice. Like, I don't know if you have the same anecdotal evidence, but all the Mormons I've met have been very sweet people, which is interesting because I find the, the Mormon religion to be a little creepy. Um, my experience with that is from a slightly different perspective. Uh, I think about the same result, but I used to work um, at a club, a comedy theater, a little comedy theater on a regular basis out in, I think, Midland, if such a place exists, good Lord. Uh, um, Utah, so just outside of Salt Lake City, suburb of Salt Lake City, and a large percentage of the audience were what you would call Jack Mormons or fallen origin and non-observing Mormons. Like I would be a Jack Jew, you know what I mean? Like I, I you know, I, I sort of have that in my genetics and in my past and all that kind of stuff. But but in terms of practicing religion, I I, I wouldn't be considered Jewish by somebody who does. Um, and there's a lot of, it's a very large population in Utah, especially in Salt Lake City area, of, of these Jack Mormons who are born to a Mormon faith but not practicing. And they were great audiences and lovely people over and over and over again. So, so my experience with them is sort of more of a, a group experience than, than a one-on-one -on -one experience. But, you know, not, not a whole lot of heckling, you know, just like yeah. very responsive or, like just nice, just nice folks. Yeah, it's very interesting. I mean, it, 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 it's the, the, all the Mormons that I meet are so sweet and warm, and whether they're Jack Mormons or practicing, I don't know. But they're they're all sweet yeah. and warm and and kind, and and they have that like sort of demeanor that I don't have as an Irish Catholic from friggin' Massachusetts, where it just it's just they're warm and they make, they make you want to just sit down and. 
chat and have a tea or something? Uh, I will say, I will say that Banked is a practicing Mormon. Uh, he was the DP, who, by the way, got us five pages in American Cinematographer, thanks to the work he did. Oh, wow. So, on, wow. I mean, yeah. yeah. Um, pretty amazing. Yeah. Um, but, he, you know, he could he could get a little wound up now and again. He was, you know, he was not all sugar and honey all the time. Not, and, and no, I mean, it was, you know, we shot that thing in like six days or something. He right. had every reason to be tense. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm not saying that, I'm not saying that that's not a thing. I mean, obviously everybody has a range of emotions. It's just like there's a, there's a demeanor to Mormons. I don't know why that it just puts me at ease, I guess. Which is, it's weird. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, 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 again, my, my, I know them from, uh, you know, arm's length for the most part. Yeah. 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 Well, I, I just, I'm trying, I'm racking my brain trying to think of another, you know, religious faith that produces nice people like that. I, I can't, I can't think Buddhists. of Buddhists. That's true. You know, but it's funny cause I, I, I've had multiple run-ins with people who uh, do Buddhist things. Cause there are, especially in LA too, they're like weird Buddhist cults. Um, and I had a Buddhist neighbor and he was not nice. He was not nice. So, yeah, I mean, I, I know that's... And he's not, and he wasn't actually Buddhist. You know, you can call yourself a lot of things. There's a lot of people calling themselves Christians too. So calling yourself a Buddhist is not a Buddhist. So I, I, will, I will accept your friend from, from that faith uh, for the sake of saying Buddhists generally when they're practicing and understand what they're practicing are pretty nice folks. Right, I'm sure, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, this guy, but it was like weird. It was like, it was you know, uh, one of those chanting Buddhist cults that he yes, that's what they chant over and over again. And, uh, and to, to get you in the religion, they shakabuku you. That's the, uh, that's the method of, uh, of, of bringing you into the faith that you get shakabuku. What does that mean? Shakabuku? It, it's sort of like being uh, spiritually Shanghai. <laughs> <laughs> Do they kidnap you into the Buddhist chain? In essence, they kidnap. They kidnap your uh, your your sense of uh, of belief. I guess, in a way, yes, because if the idea if the idea of conversion is quite literally take somebody from thinking one way and get them to think another way, then right, that's it's, it's almost an appropriation. So, like the Buddhist religion is sort of like it's sort of, the Buddhist religion is sort of like the the organized crime uh, behind the 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 behind the green door movie that situation because they I don't I don't know the film they they kidnap uh, Marilyn Chambers put her in a van and then they take her uh, to like an orgy house and they convert her into being like a sexual being is the idea but it starts uh, that's well it's like a brainwashing process but now keep in mind we're talking about the chanting buddhists right we're right. not talking about people who are just practicing buddhism practicing buddhism you know and i'm not a buddhist but practicing buddhism i i i, I many of my uh ways of proceeding through life are coincidentally but i'm not a buddhist person um, I don't have, I don't take the title and I don't really think that I would live up to it if I did, but it, 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 it's, it's, it's just, it is in of and of itself, just sort of an even keel in many, many, in, in every way you can keep an even keel. Right. Right. Yeah. That makes sense. I mean, it's nice. I don't, I don't, I don't think I would have the patience to be Buddhist. I, I can't, you know, sit and meditate all the time. It makes, it freaks me out. I get, um, you know. Meditating isn't even part of it. I don't meditate. Don't they like, like, I, I, I'm, the last thing I saw with a Buddhist monk and it was uh, 2012, you know, where he had to bang on the giant bell with the giant piece uh -huh. of wood when the yeah. wave was coming up over the Himalayas. I don't remember it from the movie, but I've been, I've been around a few of those bells. I've seen them in, in, in uh, temples. Yeah. 
But all he did was meditate and drink weird tea and then bang on the bell. That's uh, that's what I but saw in 2012. He's a monk. Right. Right. Yeah. So he and, and, and Buddhist monks, yeah, they do they do that kind of stuff. You see them all over Southeast Asia, and you see them, you know, uh, uh, in a lot of parts of the world. You see you see mostly Southeast Asia and, and Asia. You see these Buddhist monks, and they they do it they do it to upgrade their families. Like young boys will go into uh, become monks for for a period of time to upgrade the souls of their parents to kind of give them a lift. A lot of that that's all. In my opinion, that's all just ridiculous hooey. Anything anything that deals with the ethereal. Uh-huh. It just becomes in, uh, nonsense to me. If I can't, if, if it's intangible, then I, I'm just not buying it. So, so that's what makes me a terrible Buddhist in that context. But all the stuff that makes sense for you to actually enjoy your short stay here—that that actually is life improving about, about about the behaviors of Buddhism—well worth adapting. It's good for your diet. Good for your heart. It's good for your soul. Just in general, just a, it's just a, they're just generally good life habits. It's not and anything beyond that. Any look, ringing a bell. You know what I mean? Like no, you're not gonna. Now I can see if you wanna if you wanna meditate and you wanna get somewhere, there are sounds that I guess can help you. And there's guided imagery. Nothing wrong with meditation. It's valid. That's all cool because you're actually doing it. You can actually awaken from it or whatever uh, emerge from it and and discuss it. As something that actually took place, place, excuse me, in this ethereal plane, the right. one in which we actually exist in a cohesive sort of material way. Anytime, any, when it goes, when it goes, one molecule beyond reality, as I as I can see it with my own eyes. And even at that, like we talk about uh, uh, hallucinogens taking people to a different plane and introducing different spectrums of light and all that kind of stuff. Well, yes, yes, people do open up different planes and have different thought processes and, and have different levels of serotonin and their synapses fire differently. And all these wonderful things can happen with drugs. But none of them are passing through a brick wall. None of them are astral projecting and coming back with information about what happened on the other side of town. None of, you know what I mean? Like, it, it, yeah. it's sort of the, the, the point that people are talking about the, uh, the COVID virus and saying, well, where are the faith killers? Right. You right. Know? Right. Yeah, the nonsense shows it, though. Yeah, it's interesting. I wonder, because so many people do live their lives according to these ethereal, uh, invisible things that they believe are there, that there's no proof of them existing. I wonder how much of that is it has generated this mentality that we're seeing in the in this pandemic environment of people calling it a hoax and saying it's not real and saying it's that it's just like fascist making us wear masks for no reason you know it's I, it's just weird i wonder my my friend uh my friend uh rick siegel um a year ago um said as much about trumpism he basically said that Religious faith was the entree, and over the centuries, obviously, this isn't, it's recently exploded in this country in a lot of ways, but it was the entree to non-fact-based thinking, and therefore not, you could sell them non-fact-based concepts and ideas that they would embrace as their reality, because they decided that their accepted faith-based reality was as good as real reality. So that's how people are able to con them. Mm-hmm. And that's how, and that's how, and then when a con man comes along with saying the things, you know, whispering the sweet nothings they really want to hear in their non-fact-based ears, which are also in a lot of uh, fear and hatred and resentment and uh, self-oppression and suppression, all those things come together and you get guys going, hey, guess what? You'll get to be the bully this time. Instead of instead of what happened to you when you were a kid, you get to be the bully this time by sticking with me. And they all went, "Well, wait a minute!" First they said you could stick with Jesus and get back. And they said, "Trump is really vicious behind this shit." Yeah, Not this Jesus shit. Now we got her. We got. We got. We can bring out the big guns now. Yeah, yeah. It's, God, it's so messed up. It's, yeah, but people are adjusted to it. They're going like, "Okay, I can say that the news isn't real because what I believe in my head is real because." Because I stood in a Pentecostal church long enough with my hands in the air and got in 
and I believe I believe what my eyes don't tell me. Right. Wow. Well, that's. Yeah. I mean, I know you got to end your show because you're you're at about an hour, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm right about there. Yep. So should, but you still didn't plug the film, you know. You still didn't actually tell people to go find the film and watch it. And I tried. I tried being a gracious host. I was about to. I was about to say that they should go see your short film because I loved it. I think it's great and hilarious. Thank you. Uh, they should definitely find. It's on Amazon, right? Amazon Prime and uh, available in three languages around the world. Awesome. And then and also look for my uh, horror novel, The Headache Man, on August first. There, we've done plugs. How about that? There we are. That's how you close a show. And what's the name of your book? Because people can buy your book, which is really funny, right? Um, It's called Mid Men, The Modern Man's Guide to Surviving Midlife Crisis. And uh, you can find that uh, on Amazon as well. And if you're an Amazon Prime member, you can read the Kindle edition for free. I think you can read it free. Yeah, I think you can read it for free. So, yeah, you can get the book for free. So uh, yeah, enjoy it. It's it's won a few awards and uh, and uh, it's gotten some nice comments. So I feel comfortable recommending it. <laughs> <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> All right, thanks for having me on your show. Oh, you're very welcome. I hope you'll come back again uh, soon and uh, and uh, have you back. <laughs> I'll give it some thought. I'll give it some real thought. <laughs> <laughs>